actually moving in the supernatural, being a supernatural church. Johan started us off way back in June. Seems like a long time now, huh? Uh, being a supernatural church. Uh, and so we've done a series on a biblical view of healing. And so we want to see what the Bible says uh, about that. And uh, it, I think this is about the eighth part of that series, and there's still a few more. Uh, but we're talking not just about healing, but healing the whole person. So about three weeks ago, Tony talked to us just about that, healing of the soul. Sometimes what we see isn't the real problem. It's the fruit. We have a lemon tree in our yard, and if I wanted to get rid of all the lemons, I could go pull them all off the tree, but in six months, there'd be more lemons. If I want to get rid of them, I have to actually deal with the root. And too often, what we see isn't the problem. And so sometimes we need healing in the soul. Sometimes there's forgiveness. Sometimes there's things that have been said that we've agreed to that, that God needs to deal with so that we can uh, come to a place of physical healing as well. Uh, and then last couple of weeks, Lance talking about healing for those who are demonized. Actually, the whole area of deliverance. Deliverance is getting free. But it's also closing the doors that we've opened. The Bible talks about the anointing breaks the yoke, but truth sets us free. Which one is it? It's both. See, the, the issue is often that the, the freedom, getting rid of the, the demonic or the, the things that, that the enemy is doing is easy, but it's closing the door that we'd open. And so we talked about that. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more as we go along. But this, the last few weeks sets us up for today, uh, which I want to talk about the third ingredient for the supernatural. A few weeks ago, I talked about two ingredients for the supernatural. The first one being the presence of God. He's the healer. He's the one who's supernatural. We're not. The second being faith. We have to believe him, believe what he's doing. But the third one today being authority and relationship. Okay, these are ingredients. It's not one or the other. It's all of them together. So I want to talk about authority and relationship. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. says, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach, or yeah, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I was actually uh, reading this a number of weeks ago. I was preparing to, to preach on faith. And faith, as we know, is, is a very important ingredient. And it hit me that when he sent his disciples out, he didn't give them faith. I went, whoa, he gave them power and authority. In fact, I thought it would have been faith. Now, I was getting ready to preach on faith, so that's where my whole focus was. But he gave them power and authority. I thought, maybe this is important. <laughs> Just as an aside, in Luke 17, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say to him, increase our faith. And he says, eh, if you've got faith like a mustard seed, you're Okay. That's really what he says. And then he tells them the story. There was this guy out working in the field, and he came in, and 
the master of the house doesn't say, sit and let me serve you. He says, serve me. Now, we think those are separate, but what Jesus is saying is that you have enough faith, just obey. Just do what you're told. So it hit me, when he sends them out, he gives them power and authority. Now, most of you will know, but let me just tell you, for those of you who don't, the word power in Greek is dunamis, and it literally means power. It's the word that we get uh, dynamite from, same Greek word. The other word, exousia, means authority, and sometimes it's translated, at least in my translation, power. But it actually means authority. It's the right to do something. So power is what does it. Authority is the right to use the power. Now that kind of confused me, and I'm going to tell you why later on. Uh, It surprised me when I saw this. But I want to read a few other scriptures before I make some comments. Because uh, we need to see what the word says. Now let me tell you right up front. I'm not going to finish today. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) That's why we're in the eighth part of a series. But I really tried hard, because I'm I'm really excited about where this goes and the the conclusions, but I really felt the constriction of the Holy Spirit that unless we laid the foundation biblically, that it, it doesn't last in us. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 10. Verse 19, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's exousia, authority. Mark 3 and verse 15. I should just read the board behind me because you're so much quicker than I am. Starting at verse 14. And when he appointed 12 that they might be with him and they might send them out to preach. Underline be with him. We're going to get back to that later. It's a key. And to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. That word is exousia. It's authority. He gave them authority to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Matthew chapter 9. I'm just touching. There's Dozens and dozens of scriptures. I don't want to take the time to do all of them. Just most of them, no. (laughs) Verse 6, Matthew 9. This is where Jesus said, they bring the guy who's lame, uh, who can't walk, and Jesus forgives his sin, and the Pharisees get upset, and uh, he says, but that you might know, verse 6, that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. The word is authority. Exousia. Son of man has authority on earth to forgive sin. He said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed, and go to your house. He ties the forgiving of sin with healing. I don't know what that means, but he does. Chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits. Again, authority, exousia. To cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, 
Okay, I've thrown out a bunch of scriptures. I want to make some comments about them, and they're all there in those scriptures. I didn't want to take the time to uh, just do it. But Jesus actually gives, when he's sending his disciples to fulfill his purpose at his resurrection, he gives them not faith, but power and authority. We need to understand, Satan is the ruler of this world. When Jesus came, he established a new rule, a new kingdom. That's what that word means. A new authority on the earth. And that new kingdom is set against. There there is an opposition. There is a conflict of these two kingdoms. And it's a conflict of authority. Who has the right to rule? Satan took, took that from Adam when Adam sinned. He became the ruler of this world. But Jesus has taken it back. Now understand, Jesus' rule is growing from the standpoint is that he rules over people who submit to his rulership. Jesus is not the Lord of the city. He's the Lord of some people in this city. Satan is the ruler of the city because he's the ruler of the world. You still with me? Okay couple of comments. I, I need to make some asides here because I need to understand power and authority. One is that if you look at all the scriptures of, about authority, Jesus never gives us authority over people. He gives us authority over principalities and powers. We have authority over ourselves, but we don't have authority over others. Now that's hard to understand because the world, which is under the influence of the evil one, is all about trying to have power over people. Let me control them. Let me have some sort of authority over them. That's everything that people, wealthy people, it's not, no longer about the money, it's about having power. That's the lie of the enemy. The kingdom is different. We don't have authority over people. That's why as Lance said last week, a curse without cause doesn't light. What someone says about me means nothing unless I agree with it. They don't have authority over me. But when I agree with it, I give place to it. Lance talked about, used an illustration last week about uh, being called to go to a home of a family. They were all sick. And as he walked up, the Holy Spirit said to him, they've recently received a gift. And it was something that actually had been, they got from somewhere else and it had been cursed. But it was the receiving of the gift that opened up the door. Some guy out in the Pacific can curse me all he wants. It means nothing unless I open up a door and receive it. Unless I agree with it. So we need to understand that That's why you can have power, uh, authority over serpents and scorpions, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Unless you open up a door, you cast demons out of someone, they don't come out and jump all over you. Unless you don't know Jesus, and we'll get to that later. Okay? You start messing with that stuff. And so uh, understand that uh, we can open a door. Our involvement with the occult opens a door. You think it's, it's not important. It, it's, 
It's innocuous. It's, it's, it's unimportant if I play with a Ouija board. But the being involved in that and trying to, to contact spirit, a spirit realm opens a door. And unless we close the door, the authority is still there. And so someone can come and say, I'm struggling in this area. I need some deliverance. But if we don't close the door, the demons just come back. Do you understand? You still with me? So our involvement can open a door. Now, that's a good thing in that we have authority to close those things in Christ. But we have to understand. See, we can actually ask for for deliverance from something, or even healing for something that's caused because we, uh, sickness is caused because we've opened the door. Ask for, for deliverance, and unless we close the door, if we're ignorant of that, we're praying and praying, and how many people seem to never actually quite get a breakthrough? I pray, I fast, but they're ignorant that they've actually opened a door and given the enemy a place Now, it can be the occult, but it can be simply agreeing. Someone says to you, you're hopeless. You'll never amount to anything. It's a curse, but it doesn't light unless you agree with it. And then you start saying to yourself, I'm hopeless. I'll never amount to anything. What happened? You've given authority to that. You've opened a door by your agreement. By two or three, Jesus says, two or three agree on anything, it shall be done. There's something that happens when we agree. When we agree together, we're going to talk about that next week. But when we agree with the devil, we open up a door, we give him authority. It's very serious. About this time in the early service, uh, Tiga's little baby was, she was holding him on her lap and he was looking at me smiling. And I realized this is the only this baby is the only one smiling in the whole room. <laughs> so I just started preaching to him. <laughs> we have no, God doesn't give a, a authority. We have no authority over people except, there's one exception, and that exception is our own children. We have authority over children, children under the parents' authority, which is why the issue of the vows that Freemasons make is so critical because they have authority and and the vows are often not just about themselves but about their children and their children's children. Now the good part is that we can actually break that, which we did last week, but you need to understand that that's the only place you can say, but I wasn't involved in Freemasonry. I didn't do anything. But as a child... Something can be opened up for you. Someone had said to me a number of weeks ago, <clears throat> pardon me, can you just give me my water bottle there? Sorry, I've been excited this morning. Someone said to me a few weeks ago about a child that they thought was demonized and needed to, to get delivered. And uh, Lance was actually there with me at the, same, at the time and 
Mary and I, and we just said, look, we need to talk to the, the parents. Because if the child needs deliverance, the parents have opened up some sort of door. And we can pray for the child. But if the parents don't close the door, there's not, it's going to be worse. So we have this wonderful thing as parents that we can set an atmosphere in our home but the downside is that we can also open things in our home. That's a heavy responsibility. The things that I do can actually affect my kids and my grandkids. You still with me? I looked at this. Jesus gave power and authority. And the first question I had, I had these red lights going off. Isn't power bad? Warning, warning. Danger, Will Robinson. Only the old people understand that one. Is it power bed? How many of you are aware of the uh, quote? It was actually uh, Lord John Acton who said, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Anyone ever heard that? Great. Some of us older people. The earlier service, almost nobody. But basically, the concept is that power tends to corrupt. And often people who get into positions of power get caught up with power, and it corrupts them. Uh, I read someone else, actually a guy named Robert Ingersoll, who was the uh, biographer of Abraham Lincoln, said, nothing discloses real character like the use of power. If you wish to know what a man really is, give him power. So he's basically saying it's not the power that corrupts, but power shows what's actually in the heart of man, which could be the case. But my thought was, Lord, why in the world would you give us power? Well, the answer is he doesn't. It's not our power. Acts chapter 3, verse... uh, 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. And when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? The guy was lame for 38 years. He's walking. I would marvel too. But that wasn't what he was saying. He says, or why look so intently at us as though by our own power, our godliness, we made this man walk? Acts 19, the uh, story of the sons of Sceva, the uh, Jewish uh, exorcist who tried to use the name of Jesus, and they said, in the name of Jesus, we cast out these demons, and the demons said, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but you, I don't know, and jumped on them and chased them out, and uh, we need to understand the name of Jesus is not a magic wand. It's not a magic incantation if we add at the end of our prayer, I pray whatever I want, and then I wave this magic wand in the name of Jesus at the end. No, the name of Jesus actually means that we're walking in partnership with him. 
So the thing, what saves us from the corruption of power is that Jesus only gives authority to those who are in relationship with him. And so relationship is the key. And that's what we need to understand. It's not like, man, if I can just find the key. Some of us have this idea that the authority and power of God is kind of like a genie. Aladdin's genie in the bottle. If I can just find the, the lamp and rub it, the genie comes out and I can get whatever I want. Jesus, come and bless me. Make me wealthy. Give me this. Give me that. Do this. John 5, 19, Jesus says he only does what he hears the Father saying. Five, John 5, 30, only does what he sees the Father doing. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus before his ministry in his temptation says man lives by hearing God's voice. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth. He basically says we live by hearing God's voice. He's saying relationship is the key. God gives authority to those in relationship with him. Colossians 2.10. For those of you here in the first service, it's not 2.7. You are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians and Ephesians have this real emphasis on Jesus' authority and power. He's seated above every authority, every principality, uh, every dominion, every might, and he's given that authority to us in him. Yes. See, the name of Jesus isn't a magic wand. It's a power of attorney as we walk in relationship. You know what power of attorney is? You give someone the right to make decisions on your behalf, to act on your behalf, usually when you're going to be away somewhere. So if you're going to travel overseas and something's happening, you give someone a a right, uh, power of attorney. Uh, you don't do that if you're there, but what Jesus has done is that he's given us a power of attorney, but he's right here with us. Now think about that. Why? You're here. Just do it. For some reason in this age, from Jesus resurrection and going to be with the Father until his return and the consummation of the kingdom, the kingdom is advanced in this opposition uh, uh, against the enemy by the power of the Spirit in us. He's not just doing it on his own. He actually chooses us. Dumb! <laughs> except for the Holy Spirit. Because in that intimacy, we represent him. So we have authority in his name as we are fulfilling his purpose, his plan. And so it comes down to this. There is a general sense of what his plan is, seeing his kingdom advance, preaching the gospel, but there is an intimate sense of Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Relationship. I don't know. I'm faced with something. God, I don't know. Is this the fruit or is it a root? What door have they opened? The Holy Spirit can show us. 
So we have that relationship, and then once he shows us, we can then move in authority. You still with me? It's not about some power that I use for my own purposes. I was talking to someone after the first service, and it hit me how often my prayers are not, God, what do you want to do? It's, Lord, this is what I want you to do. Will you do this, please? And very often, I don't listen. I hate to admit that. Some of you nod your head because you do the exactly same thing. But too often, we say, okay, this is what we think is best. From my limited perspective, as Tim said earlier, from my natural perspective, this is what I think is best, so then I tell God what he, he should do. And sometimes he's just saying, can I just tell you what I want to do? Now you might be at the store, and there's something of the Holy Spirit saying, we pray for this person in line in front of you. And you have a general sense of God loves people. You know, he's given us the, the good news of the gospel. Uh, okay, God, I can do that. But in this specific instance, what do you want to do? Relationship. And then faith arises and we can move. Why, do, why does God sometimes choose to move by a word of knowledge rather than just doing something. He says, ah, there's someone here who has a problem in their shoulder. I want to heal. Why doesn't he just heal them? Because he's partnering with us. Johan said something the other day. He's got it trademarked, but I thought it was one of the best things I've heard in a long time. He said this, prophecy is an invitation to partner with God. See, too often we think prophecy is just God telling us what he's going to do. And so we go, yeah, well, that's cool. Do it. God, just go ahead sometime. Months go by, weeks go by. God, you haven't done it. But if it's an invitation... If in this age, from Jesus' resurrection to his return, he's working through us, he's saying, this is what I want to do. Will you join with me? Will you mix not only your faith, but your authority that I've given you to declare that, agree with me, and make it happen? See, if authority is so important, and I believe it is, then the hindrance, one of the things we're going to talk about next week, is passivity. If God's given us authority, now think about it this way. God says, this is what I want to do, and we get passive and say, mm, yeah, if you want to. Cool. But he set up a 
situation in this age. Why? Because he's preparing a, a bride for Christ in the big picture. But he set up a situation where he's telling us what he wants to do, and then he's waiting for us to agree with him. He doesn't just tell us, go do something. He says, I'll tell you what I want, to, want you to do, but I'm waiting for you to agree. I'm getting into next week's. I want to ask you to do something. Because actually, I, I really struggled trying to squeeze this all into one because I didn't want to leave it hanging between the application. But I'm going to ask you if you would do something this week. If, will you spend some time fasting and praying? Ask God what that means. I actually believe that God's wanting to do something that will lift us to a new level of authority, a new level of partnership with him. We're going to break off some hindrances next week. We're going to move into a new level. There's something of us, God's plan for us, not only as individuals, but for us together. Since I've lived here, I've heard a number of prophecies about God wanting to do amazing things in this city. Revivals and, and uh, breaking loose and, and impacting the, the uh, whole uh, nation. I actually think there's probably those prophetic words in every city. Tim had said this the other day. I don't think we're special. But if we're passive, waiting for God to do something, and God's saying, oh, but I'm waiting for you. Can I find a people who will say yes and then move in the authority that I've given them? God has spoken things over your life. Are you sitting passively? Or are you saying, yes, I agree. And now let's move in authority. Let's declare God's purposes and plans. Would you bow your head? I'm trying to land this today. I'm sorry. I'm trying to make this, this one somewhat complete. If in the midst of this, the Holy Spirit was speaking something to you of doors that you've opened that you haven't closed. Maybe you didn't know that you had opened up. This is not a condemnation. It's not God's angry. It's his, he's loving, lovingly bringing us to freedom so that when we move in his power and authority, we don't come unstuck. And he continues to get glory. But if just in hearing there was something that you know that you've opened, can I encourage you? Just repent. And then take the authority that Jesus has already given you as a believer, a follower of him, and slam that thing shut. If you don't know Jesus, that's where it all starts, coming into relationship with him. But it doesn't end there. 
it goes on to getting baptized, dying to the old life, being buried with Christ and rising to new life. It goes on to being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be a part of what he's doing and seeing his kingdom uh, advance and moving in, his, in the supernatural. Those are not optional extras. You can't deal with the supernatural realm without having relationship with Jesus because there are two realms and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you will be under the authority of the devil. Whether you know it or not, that's what will happen. There's no sitting on the fence. There is no neutral in the realm of the spirit. You're either walking with God or you're under the authority of the devil. The lie of the world says, no, no, if I don't believe that, it's not real. Baloney. For thousands of years, the definition of insanity was not being in touch with reality. What you believe doesn't determine reality. Reality is objective. I don't know why I'm ranting and raving like this. You got, well, at least you got your head bowed and dry as close. So. Oh, you did. In Christ, you have authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions. You have authority to close every door, whether it was opened in your ancestry, we dealt with that last week, or whether it's something you've opened by the choices you've made. I have no idea what that is. Holy Spirit, thank you that you lead us in truth. Yes. And thank you that in love, in security, you bring us to a place of freedom. And Lord, I just ask that you would continue to do that this week. And as we gather next week, that we're able to come to the place of what you're wanting to do. And a uh, what I believe, a new level of authority as individuals, but also as a church, that we understand you. Lord, we do continue to pray for the uh, Midson family, for your comfort for them. Lord, we realize that they, there is, as Tim said, that conflict of emotion. There is a celebration. They're, they're celebrating because they're excited for, for Deb, but at the same time, there is that sense of loss. So we pray, Holy Spirit, you're the comforter. Will you comfort them? In Jesus' name. Why don't you stand? Oh, yeah. The, the funeral for Deb is Friday at 10 o'clock, and I think it's here. Okay? Uh, that was the idea, but I haven't been able to confirm that 100%. Uh, but I think that that's the case. So if you want to be a part of that, it will be here. Look on our website later on in the week. Uh, or call someone and we'll, we'll let you know. Um, the whole goal of equipping saints is that we carry the authority of God with us to impact our world. Okay, why do I rant and rave and yell like this? Because it's not just that we need to be free, but we're the instruments that God uses to bring freedom to many others. Amen. What would happen if he had a whole group of people who said yes to that? Lord, thank you. Pour out your grace upon us this week in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you need some prayer, if you haven't met Jesus, there'll be some people who'd love to introduce you. If you need someone to join with you in prayer, there'll be some folks here. But I'm going to ask you, 